and welcome to How to Start Up, a podcast for anyone starting a company. This is a collection of conversations with people who have all successfully started, run and even sold their own companies, sharing not only professional but personal experiences on what we should be doing now, next or never. Hosted by me, Juliet Fallowfield, founder of PR consultancy for startups, Fallowfield and Mason. In this episode, I speak with Brett Butter, who believes that the culture of a company is crucial to its success. He calls it the missing link. Brett is an expert in this field and is consulted by global companies and leaders to help them design, develop and build high performance cultures. He shares advice on when to start working on your company's own culture, why to consider building your company with a remote first mindset and why finding support and structure in the day to day is crucial. Brett so much for joining How to Start Up today. It would be wonderful if you could give a brief introduction as to who you are, uh, a bit about your background, a bit about your company. Yes, thanks very much for having me, Juliet. My name is Brett Pata. I'm the founder and CEO of Culture Gene. It's a company culture development and software platform. Fantastic. And when did you start this company? Started the business four years ago now. And um, prior to that, I had run an executive search firm for 16 years. What was it that gave you the idea for this new company? Well, I was lucky enough about five years ago to work with three companies almost in a row where the CEOs had a very clear understanding of their culture. I was tasked with finding candidates, and the mandate was find us candidates that have the right skills, experience, and match with our values. And that third piece was really quite a challenge to do because finding candidates is hard enough, but finding candidates with the values match was even tougher. So we worked out how to do that. But actually where the penny dropped for me was when the interview started and you could just see how clearly the candidates with a really good values match and the company just got on. Also, post that process, once they'd been hired, the candidates just made a significant mark in the company and and really moved the companies on uh, in leaps and bounds. So that's really where the penny dropped for me. And I started doing research and really digging into company culture and understanding it further. You're so right, because I mean, in my experience of being in roles before, you can have the best job description on paper, but it's the people around you that make or break how much you love going to work. And it sounds like you're solving that from the beginning for people. Yeah, exactly. If the values don't match, you end up wearing a mask or you end up pretending to be somebody you're not. And that means you're not happy and also not working optimally. I didn't realize it at the time and I didn't realize how important it is for that to happen. But I got a sense around five years ago that culture was the missing link and values were such a critical part of that. And that's really where it all kicked off. Well, congratulations. Thank you. And what was it you did first when you started this business? Well, as I um, had been running an executive search firm, I did what I thought was the natural thing and spoke to a bunch of my clients who I kind of thought, hold on, you know, I've done some work with you. You're doing really well, but there's probably more you could be doing. And initially, I started helping them on building values-based recruitment processes within the organization, and then it's scaled from there. And what was the best piece of advice that you were given when you first started? Uh, Do the hard yards. And one of my uh, good friends, he'd uh, run a business before, and he had both good and bad experiences with strong and weak cultures. He said to me, you're going to have to, if you're going to go down this route, you're really going to have to research it. You're going to have to study it. You're going to have to make it your own because 
nobody has really done this yet. Nobody's got it right. And there are some companies that do culture consulting, but it's really superficial. So you've got to just do the hard yards and do the research and understand what it is you're talking about so that you become the subject matter expert in the field. So if you've got your good idea to start a new company and you're really passionate about it, you really need to do the legwork to prove to others why it's viable. Is that true? Yeah, it is, especially in in this field where company culture is very much this invisible, subconscious, intangible thing that happens below the surface. And my job is to help make it more surface-bound and more conscious, tangible and visible. In order to do that, the CEOs or the leaders that you work with really have to trust you. And you've got to have demonstrated that you are you know the space inside out. And fortunately, it has become my passion. So you're exactly right. <laughs> uh, it's, 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 it's still relevant today. And I, I spend 25% of my time still either teaching or learning. So becoming that expert builds trust with your external clients. Definitely. I've written two books on the subject of company culture. At the beginning, what percentage of research background prepping were you doing versus going out and winning new business? Is there a happy ratio? No, there wasn't really for me because I I did expect this to be a little bit of a slow burn um, because company cultures is a something that it's, until recently has been taken for granted because it actually happened as a, as a byproduct of having an office, the Oz office <laughs> and um, all of those joyous things that came with an office when uh, were taken for granted. Um, and so I, I, I kind of took it from a, a long haul approach and I spent a lot of time creating content, um, reading, interviewing. So I've, I've spoken to over 500 companies and interviewed just over 50 CEOs and leaders of high growth companies around everywhere, well, everywhere west of um of asia really sort of europe and the us and um and canada as well so i've you know i spent a lot of time doing that but that was because i expected to and i i knew i had to i was going to ask you what was the most surprising thing you've learned about yourself in becoming your own boss but is there something surprising you've learned from those other ceos you've interviewed as well that's why i wrote the book <laughs> <laughs> we need to read your books <laughs> But what I was really surprised about is all of the CEOs who've invested heavily in their culture are very, very, very giving, very sharing and pay it forward. Um, I interviewed um, a guy named Mark Organ, who is a very successful entrepreneur, and he he gave me three hours of interview time. And actually, he said, he said, look, get all of that stuff written down, and if you want some more, you can have it. And this was, everybody was like this, you know, the, the deeper I dug, the more they were excited to give. That really surprised me. In terms of myself, I'm very demanding of myself, actually, often to my detriment. I don't give myself enough credit. So I do good stuff, but the things I don't do really are the things that annoy me and I have an expectation to deliver on them and I don't deliver on it. So I think that's the most surprising thing is about me is how demanding I am. Um, and my wife keeps saying to me, remember the good things you do as well as those things that didn't land. Yeah. And that's a lot of advice that has been offered to me, actually, to celebrate the small wins on a daily basis, because you can become so not bogged down in the bigger picture, because the bigger picture is exciting. But you need to, yeah. you know, if you fixed an IT problem, you need to celebrate that because all these things take time away from the bigger picture, but are very valuable. 
how do you stay inspired, especially given that your business model was built pre-pandemic and now you're working through the pandemic? Well, I'm really fortunate in that I found my passion and I do what I love to do. And I will do this until I die. <laughs> it's not as if I'm you know, doing a job for somebody else or a job I don't employ. I really, really love it. Actually, my job is to help companies adapt to the pandemic. So I find that inspirational in itself, talking to leaders and seeing what they're doing about it and helping them uh, adapt to remote or hybrid work-based practices in place so that when this pandemic has been seen the back of, those companies will be ready to thrive and ready to take off. And is there anything that you know now, as many years in and two books down, that you could have benefited from at the beginning? I think to sell a little harder in the beginning. My background is actually sales, which is odd that I wasn't selling hard enough. But <laughs> I, I think I could have been a little bit more pushy with my sales. I've, I've since then got you know, over the years, got much better at it. But I think I probably forgot all the good stuff I, I knew and know about selling because I, I sort of looked at this as a new area and, a, and something I had to build and grow at the time. So I didn't sell hard enough. I think I probably could have done a better job of that. But I think I, I maybe could have been a bit more patient with certain things. Initially started off too quickly and I and I, I actually stopped myself. I should have been more patient there. I, I wasted money I didn't need to waste, but we fixed that. So On that, is there any massive pitfalls that you came across that you'd warn new founders about? So if somebody's listening about to start a company, is there anything that you'd flag to think about first and foremost? New founders now, I think this is more to do with the reality of where we are. I describe this in the following way to my clients. I say, we all were living happily on earth. Gravity was doing its thing. We wore the clothes we wore and we ate the way we ate and we, we were breathing the way we breathed. The way I look at this pandemic is the earth has been obliterated. We made it to the moon and now gravity is different. The food's different. The way we move is different. The way we run is different. The way we eat is different. Everything is different. And so my recommendation is, if you're going to start a company now, build it with a remote first mindset and remote first operating system from the beginning. You're completely right. I feel like everything remote has been expedited because of the pandemic and the autonomy employees now assume is fantastic. And we've got this huge opportunity, I think, to embrace that and see what that can offer back to businesses. Is there anything, if you could have your time again, if that you wouldn't do if you could go back? It's nothing I wouldn't really do. Even the, the mistakes or the negatives um, were learning experiences. And you've got to experience the potholes to know how to avoid them. <laughs> yeah. What is it? Experience is what you get after you've needed it. Yeah. <laughs> I think the mistakes I've made have given me the right scars I need. And what do you enjoy the most about being self-employed, other than the fact you have just moved your family to Portugal? <laughs> um, well, I am my own boss, which is probably the best bit about it. Within the structure of three-year-old and a one-year-old and a wonderful wife, I'm boss of, of the business and then I try my best to be a, a good father and a good husband. I think if you get that rhythm right and you get that timing and that structure right, that's that, that you can actually get more out of what you do by being self-employed. So I think the not having to answer to anyone has is good, but actually maybe having more support in some ways where where if you if I, there was a bigger team and I was part of a bigger team that may help on the flip side of that, what is it you enjoy the least about being self employed I've not always been good with the structure, and you really do have to if you want to get the most out of it, you really do have to be structured you know you've got to make 
the most of your day, especially now in this pandemic. It, the pandemic accentuates your issues. You know, if there are stressful moments, it would be good to have somebody else to go and say, this is what's happening. How did you deal with this? The one thing I've missed actually the most about being part of a bigger company is, should we just go to the kitchen, make a cup of tea and talk about it? And it's that stepping away from your desk with a human face-to-face, not on Zoom, and you've got that personal chat that you can have with your support network. And I was going to ask, are there any sort of hacks that you found or tools that you have brought in to combat that loneliness? I'm part of a tech network and we, once a month, so we do a Zoom call. And it's very structured. So we talk about the positives and negatives and how we feel with our personal lives, the positives and negatives of how we feel about our family and friends and the positives and negatives and how we feel about work. And then one or two or three of us may actually present on the situation we find ourselves in. And we, we will then talk about that person's situation, not give advice, but talk about from our point of view when we were in a similar situation. It was tremendous, especially in the beginning of the business where I was doing a lot of floundering. And it's been tremendous when things have got difficult. Oh, it's good to have that accountability as well. Do you have any advice with managing external clients or teams and suppliers? So I, even if I don't expect to work with somebody for a long time, I approach it like a long-term situation. So if I need somebody for a week's work or I need somebody to just do something for me, I still treat it in my mind like a long-term partnership, which actually then makes me apply myself better. If you treat it like a long-term partnership, I found that that actually can often result in something else happening. Yeah, that's a really good perspective on it, actually. You're committed for the long term and they'll get a different sense of you and how you work as well, I imagine. Any final pieces of golden advice that you would like to offer someone starting a company this year? The one piece of advice I would like to give is to make sure that you instill company culture into your business from the beginning. Your culture forms whether you like it or not, and you have a choice to be deliberate about that culture or not. And as it so happens, I've written a book about this, which is called Own Your Culture, How to Define, Embed, and Manage Your Culture. And I, unsurprisingly, highly recommend it. And where is it available? It's available on Amazon right now. Fantastic. Well, we'll link to it in the show notes for sure so people can find it. Thank you so much, Brett. It has been wonderful chatting to you and learning about everything there is about company culture and all of your advice. Juliet, thank you very much. My pleasure. I've really enjoyed our conversation. I hope 2021 is a great year for you and a better year for all of us. It's been impressive to hear Brett's passion for his subject and his belief that company culture should be visible, tangible and evident. And also there is no substitute for a thorough knowledge in your chosen field. If you'd like to contact Brett, we'll find all of his details in the show notes, along with a recap of the advice that he so kindly shared and links to his books about company culture. Thank you for listening to How to Start Up. I hope these conversations offer you some confidence, encouragement and reassurance that you're on the right track. If you've enjoyed this podcast, I'd be so appreciative if you were to rate, review and subscribe as it will really help other people starting a company discover it.